Hey, what's up, guys? It is December 3rd, 2019. This is the Leafs Convo Podcast, presented by Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario, oakridgeford.com. I'm Norman James, along with Mike Godjello, getting ready for a December to remember for those Maple Brothers. It starts with Philly, continues with Naz and the Avalanche, and carries on after that. Michael, how are you? Good morning, Norman. Um, I'm well, and uh, well, after 4-1, with Sheldon Keefe, the Leafs move into December. The The schedule is not as onerous as it was in November, but there are three back-to-backs in the month of December, and that will cause a bit of a problem with the current goaltending situation with the team. But um, Kyle Dubas yesterday at the Ford Performance Center indicated that he is sticking with Michael Hutchinson at this point and gave, basically gave him a vote of confidence saying that the team has got to play mm-hmm. better in front of him and uh, that's going to be necessary for them to get some wins and uh, points in those back-to-backs. December's a month that a lot of people wind down in, but for the Maple Leafs, 13 games. Yeah, but it's a little more balanced. I mean, I think that there there were a couple weeks where they were playing four and six nights and back-to-backs, and it was a, it was a, a daunting schedule. And they weren't playing very well. Now they're playing a little better. I don't think that they're playing up to their expectations. I think there's still a lot of improvement to, to be made. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're getting healthier. I think that they're, they're sort of changing in the, in the, uh, in the aspect of how they want to play uh, under Sheldon Keefe. And we'll see this month whether that will result in victories. So Philadelphia, then Colorado, it'll be the third meeting with the Flyers already this season. And then, of course, it should be an emotional night with Nazem Kadri returning to Scotiabank Arena. You know, the fans are really going to show the appreciation that Naz deserves uh, a drafted Maple Leaf 2009. I think it was the Tavares draft. Brian Burke calling out Nazem Kadri, I think seventh overall. Uh, Na- mm-hmm. Naz coming on the scene like gangbusters than having some personal issues. And, you know, um, the organization and Naz owe each other a lot. Uh, Naz wore his heart on his sleeve and played incredibly well, uh, became a 30-goal scorer, a, a two-way guy, lots of jam for a Maple Leafs team in transition. And in kind, the Maple Leafs with Brendan Shanahan, Mike Babcock, uh, Mark Hunter, were there for Naz in his darkest moments, uh, bringing this young man back to life, getting his head screwed on straight, getting his career pointed in the right direction. Because you know what, Mike? Mm-hmm. Had he not had that support, and obviously that uh, that connection through the London Knights and the London area in general, Naz might not even be in the NHL right now. So these two owe a lot to each other, a huge debt of gratitude going both ways. Early on in his career, it was all potential, but a lot of... I think a lack of discipline on the part on the part of Kadri, and I was a very harsh critic over the last few years. Uh, I haven't been because he became a much better defensive player along with his ample offensive talents, and he was one of the few players that played, you know, with that sandpaper that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. Now that being the case, we know where that led in terms of two suspensions mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And that that'll always be in the minds of Leaf fans because it's the what if of yeah. if he hadn't gotten suspended, would they have beaten 
the Bruins in seven games instead of losing. But all in all, a popular Leaf, somebody who played here for a long time. Um, you know, there there have been players recently who have played for a couple of years, like Patrick Marlowe, who got a video at the uh, Scotiabank Arena. I think that Cadre uh, will get a no. video and a rousing standing ovation. Yeah, but I'm going deeper than that, Mike. It's not just about the type sure. of hockey player he was. We know that he had personal demons, uh, and we know that his career was at a crossroads really early in the entire you know scope of where he was and where he was projected to go. And look at him now. So uh, he's carved himself out. Uh, a nice little NHL career, made himself some money, and he's got a ways to go. And I'll, I'll wish Naswell um, wherever uh, his roads take him going forward. Obviously, I don't want the Colorado Avalanche to beat the Leafs at Scotiabank Arena. I want them to continue to do well, the Maple Brothers, of course. Um, changes, Michael. I know there are some changes to the AHL team with Sheldon Keefe becoming the man. Uh, behind the Maple Leafs bench. More importantly, it looks like Mr. Mitch Marner should be returning to action very soon. I know there are a small faction of people who don't like Mitch Marner because he's not number 88, but the rest of us appreciate his talents and are looking forward to watching him get back on track and pick up more than a point per game. Yeah, it was encouraging last week when I was up for uh, Sheldon Keefe's first practice uh, with the Leafs at their practice facility in Etobicoke, um, that Marner was skating and looked pretty, uh, pre- you know, pretty unaffected. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it looked like it was a serious high ankle sprain. Usually those take, you know, four to six weeks. Maybe it wasn't a high ankle sprain or maybe he's a quick healer, but um, he practiced fully with the team yesterday. And it sounds like, and the only reason he may not go, that he d- won't go tonight in Philadelphia is because uh, I think today is day 24 of him being on long-term mm-hmm. injury. And that's the minimum that we can be on. So uh, he can, uh, you know, he can come off the LTIR uh, on Wednesday. And th- that will also, with that, will implement a number of uh, reductions on the roster because now that nobody is on the LTIR, they're going to probably have to cut down to 21, maybe even mm-hmm. 20, probably 21 players. And that'll probably mean decision time on guys like Nick Shore and Dmitro Timoshov and some other players. But it, it's good to get Marner back in the lineup. They played well in the, recently without him, but they, they definitely need him back. He's playing on the second line with John Tavares. But uh, uh, interestingly, Zach Hyman has been moved down to the third mm-hmm. line with Alex Kerfoot and Kasperi Kapanen. And Ilya Mikhaev, who has played pretty well with Tavares, is playing the left side on that line. So that's a bit of a change. That's something you never would have seen under Babcock. You, Hyman was a staple in the top six. Now he's putting, he's being put basically in a checking role alongside Kerfoot and Kapanen. And I think that will be a, a pretty good, a pretty good line, a pretty effective line matched up against other teams, top lines, possibly. What's the harm of trying something different? If, even things that typically work, if they've hit a snag in that moment, change it up. You know, do something different. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, William Nylander came back, what, around this time and uh, was sort of inserted into a, a pivotal role right away. The guy wasn't ready physically, he wasn't ready mentally. Some would say that the Leafs became a little derailed. People blame it on him unfairly. Um, do you? Th- the Leafs are doing well in a lot of ways, the same, you know, I guess you could say that there's a bit of a comparison last year to this year. The Leafs are doing well right now. New head coach. Will Mitch Marner's insertion into the lineup cause a ruffle 
for this team that seems to be, you know, on the right track? Well, I don't think so simply because, um, you know, he's, he, he had been in the lineup uh, from the beginning of the season up until the injury, whereas Nylander was coming in completely cold after, you know, missing training camp and missing 20-some-odd games. And his situation was was much different, and he really didn't get on to get up to a good start. And he was basically plopped in on the top line with Matthews. Here, Marner is just taking his spot that he had held, um, you know, up till three weeks ago. And I think the transition and him coming back, if he's completely 100% healthy, and I and I would assume that that he is, that uh, you know there shouldn't be any great change. Now, the, the <laughs> one change that I that I think is um, going to be eff- effective or, or, or that could be effective, but we'll wait and see is the change to the power play. Marner's being inserted back on the first power play, um, but he's replacing in a way Morgan Riley because Morgan Riley is being shifted to the second power play and Tyson Berry is going to be the qu- quarterback on the first power play. And this is something that when Berry was acquired last July, everybody said, okay, Barry's going to be the point guy in the power play. Riley is going to play a lesser role in special teams and play more five on five. It only made sense. Babcock out of loyalty uh, to, to Riley and maybe out of, you know, some just inflexibility on his part decided to keep Barry on the second power play and keep Riley on the first. And Riley does not have a good shot from the point. He's a very good puck handler and a, and a decent power mm-hmm. play quarterback, but Barry provides a weapon that this team has not had on the power play. And I think that uh, Sheldon Keefe is exploring mm-hmm. that and wants to see what happens. You brought him in to do something. Let him do it, Michael. Again, Mike Babcock with blind loyalty <laughs> to players who he believed had his back. And whether they did or not, um, we can debate. But at some point, you have to change what you're doing. And Mike Babcock was just way too staunch in his beliefs to continue coaching this Maple Leafs team. Do you think Mike Babcock resurfaces? Well, let's just say this. Before the Marner revelation, I would have thought he could pick and choose where he'd want to go. Um, that if he wanted to sit out the rest of the year like Joel Quenville did and then take a job next year, that you know that would be acceptable. At That if somebody like Peter Laviolette in Nashville or, or John Cooper in Tampa Bay, if they, they didn't like the results of what was going on during the year, that Babcock would be at the top of the list. After the Marner revelation, after – the uh, story that came out yesterday uh, via uh, Chris Chelios and the uh, uh, Spitting Chicklets podcast that was confirmed by Johan Franz and stuff that I had heard over the years about his you know, verbal abuse of Franz and when he was an injured player with, with Detroit. I, I think that it's going to be hard for Babcock to get back quickly and for him to do so, he's probably going to have to go through some sort of sensitivity training or something of that mm-hmm. nature. Because and it's something this is something that Ray Ferraro said yesterday, and I, I agree with, is the fact that you know he's a great coach, he's got a great resume, but his type of coach may not work anymore. And they he has to show that he can change mm-hmm. and actually mean change and not sort of cosmetically say oh i can be a touchy-feely guy and then be a jerk he i mean from every indication this he, you know babcock has acted like you know with a incredible hubris and inflexibility and if that's the case then they're going to go with younger coaches who 
are more in tune to the younger player, it may be tough for him to get another job if he doesn't sit, prove that he has completely changed and is a, a, a sort of a new mm-hmm. person. Let's leave it uh, with let's leave it with a question from Ian Spence: Is this millennial revolution slash Me Too hockey movement going to change hockey culture? At all, Michael, let's leave it up to the OGs and the converts to answer this in the comment section below Mm -hmm. this post, or you can do it in the community section. The bullying in hockey has to stop. Yeah, I I think it has already changed uh, hockey. We've we've seen over the last couple of weeks how it is, you know, there's an awareness now. And I think now there's even more of a willingness where there hasn't been in the past for players to come out and say, this is, this is wrong. And because they were always fearful of the repercussions, Mm -hmm. unlike, unlike Akeem Alou or some of these other players, Franzen was basically a star player in Detroit. Marner was a rookie, but a star talent in Toronto. Usually this happens with guys who are sort of borderline players that they can push the buttons and they can basically threaten with the position of them not Mm -hmm. having a job. I think that that's ending now. I think that coaches are going to have to be more tuned to their players and what they can do mm-hmm. and what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So we'll see what happens. Mike, we don't like the bullies and jerks in hockey, yet many act like bullies and jerks on social media. Which is it, man? You can't have it both ways. Anyway, Mike, talk to you later.